0: Previously on The Lupe and Royce Show.
1: First of all, I'd just like to say that Tom is a punk. Tom, you a whole punk. man. How did Tom I become me. a... Well, wait a minute. Tom. Where are we going? You called me. It's like, man, are you guys okay? Like, I just need to know, man, you're my cash cows. Like, I can't have my cash cows out there.
0: <laughs> well, I mean...
1: Murdering each other in the streets. I, I need you alive. I haven't found a way to profit off of your death yet, so I need y'all to keep it together, but as I... Are we still
2: going to be able to do the show? You was you acting was, like, real scared. You know, the crazy thing is nobody called me. Um, I <laughs> called you three times. <laughs> <laughs> the Lupe and Roy show is a
1: say what
0: media production. That was pretty good.
1: Yo, what up, y'all? It's Lupe Fiasco, and I am not running from the feds like Tom. Reporting live from an undisclosed location in the
2: middle of nowhere. This is Royster to five nine, and um, I'm not in witness protection program in a witness
0: protection program either. What about you, Tom? is Tom Frank. I am in witness protection uh, this <laughs> particular week, so I'm uh, I'm recording live from the beach here, folks. Don't be don't be jealous. I think you're jealous. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm jealous down here so that- at the beach having fun mm-hmm. on the sand. The Black sun. ass beach that you in yeah. That's sun. Look at that sun,
1: girls. <laughs> what you got back there? Tom? We got it all. We got it all.
2: Tom, Tom, show us your fingertips.
0: <gasps> You've been burning them, trying to keep one step ahead, fellas. One step ahead. Listen, I cannot
1: wait until I'm testifying at your trial, boy. You are going oh, to, to jail for the rest of your life. Just want to let you know that I can't wait to look your sons. And daughters in the face, just tell them to kiss their father goodbye, so they can go visit you at the most maximum security prison they can find. I can't wait till they get you. Stop trying to be like me, man. I went, hey,
0: you got the same shirt I got on. You can't do that. No, Something it's, it's different kind That's of me, bio. right there. That's me, right there. You've been working out. You're you're getting ready,
1: man. I'm, I'm getting I'm, ready. I, I got on the scale. I am 160. Like 62 pounds or something like that. I haven't been in the 160s and I don't know how long.
2: How tall are I'm crazy. you? I'm how 5 tall 10. are
1: you? 5'10? I am 5'10, 165.
0: You five ten one sixty, 160? And you 165? I'm about 165. I hover between 165 and 170. See, but Royce, we're my a fight, different. Kind my of, fighting weight is 165.
1: We're a different kind of 160. It's a different well, how kind of 160 because the, the the weight that is su- supplying me with the 160 is, is mostly Muscals.
0: Well, now I've been, muscle, I've been at the beach all week and I, you know, without the shirt, I look pretty good.
2: Yeah. I believe you Tom.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I believe you, buddy. Whew. You keep thinking That's that Tom. I love you, man. You workouts coach. have been coming in. What are, what are, what are you normally Lou? You say you you've just been a minute since you've been in the one sixties.
1: I've been 170. I've been staying at 170 for a while, for like, years. why are you down so low? Like 170. Working out, working out and eating, working out and eating. It's funny cause you, you eat just eating period. You know what I'm saying? One thing to eat right is nothing to eat period. So I think some people, when they think about losing weight, the first thing they think about is not eating. But eat that's less, actually, right. that actually works against you. Um, mm-hmm. you actually need to eat more, just hit your calories be at a calorie deficit but you you do need to eat more like you're, you need to eat so I, I started to eat like four times a day versus like normally I would just eat like once a day and you know wouldn't necessarily see any results yeah that was just naturally like I wasn't you know I wasn't hungry so I would just kind of eat but now I'm making it a like intentionally you know eating like every four hours you know not not crazy but making sure I'm putting something in my body so my metabolism and my you know, because you're going to starvation mode if you eat like once a day, you'll just keep you'll just keep whatever you eat on you. Right. Your body will maintain itself. So you got to force yourself to kind of process. So, yeah. You know, it works. Fellas, we're on a schedule. Swollen this motherfucker. Tom, oh, with it. Ep- hey,
0: we're episode 43. Made it to 43. <laughs> That's big time. We got we got a, we got an interesting. We got an interesting show today. But first. But first, I should say shout out to our, our Patreon folks. We
1: What's up, it. Patreon?
0: What's up, Patreon? Yeah, the uh, the Patreon folks are enjoying some very interesting content every day that they log in. So they didn't let the, the PTs the
2: in the dough. They Just
1: didn't let
0: the PTs in the subscribe to
2: the subscribe to the P- to the Patronions. They didn't let the
1: PTs
0: in the dough. PTs. 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 And don't forget the PTs. the hotline, which I will forever now know as 707-BRO-MAN-1. That's seven zero seven two seven six six two
2: six four. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. I, I don't want that to be a thing.
0: What? 707-BRO-MAN-1? Yeah. I remember it, though. I remember it.
2: It, it sounds too much like bromance.
0: Ah, you got to stop saying that. Now you're getting me confused and all that. This sound a, a lot like time. bromance. Give him the regular number. The regular number is 707-276-6261.
1: Call and leave us a voicemail. Let us know what you think about the show. Um, and also go to patreon.com slash Lupe and Royce and become a patron.
2: A patriot. of the show. Yes. You're listening to the Lupe and Royce show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce the 5-9 and Tom Frank.
0: Hey, fellas. Have you ever tried to find the latest Xbox or PlayStation or maybe a pair of Jordan Retro University Blues or a real Supreme hoodie rather than one of my knockoffs? Let me introduce you to StockX, the only live marketplace for what's now and next. What began as a basic price chart of online sales that screened more Microsoft Excel than startup unicorn has now become one of the most intriguing marketplaces in the world. Whether it's the latest sneakers, apparels, electronics, collectibles, or trading cards, everything on StockX is brand new and 100% verified authentic. With StockX, you have the power to shop millions of hard-to-find or sold-out products at their true market value. Discover products that are on trend and ahead of trend by shopping on StockX. You can download the app for iPhone and Android or sign up online to start buying and selling in a few easy clicks. So go find that hard to get stuff you got to have at StockX.com and gain access to the world's most coveted items in the smartest way possible. That's StockX.com.
1: You're listening to the Lupe and Royce show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce the 5-9 and Tom Frank.
0: So we got an interesting guest on this weekend. You were, uh, you were all talking about bowling. No, you many, were talking many, many, about bowling. No, no, no. You we were, were talking all about talking about bowling many, many, many weeks ago. You were talking ago. about bowling and your fake bowling career. And, and uh, one of our guys on Patreon reached out to me and said, I have the perfect guest on for you guys to make sure you get on the show and he can educate you on exactly the fine details of the sport of bowling. So now I, now I now them. now
1: watch this Tom I know I know that you and Royce don't be believing in my expertise in certain areas. I'm not saying I am well versed, but I am aware deeply. I guarantee you that he's going to this this professional expert bowler is going to corroborate some of my intelligence about the art of bowling. Watch. Watch. Watch we'll you say. be amazed.
0: So on on tonight's on today's show, we got Jason Belmont. He is a professional, an Australian professional ten pin bowler. plays on the uh, PBA tour. Uh, I'm going to welcome. I'm going to welcome in him. i in here. Jason, are you there? G'day. Hey, how you going? Now, now, Jason is coming What's from up, Jason. He's coming all the way from Australia for us tonight. This morning, there. And not only is is he a PBA Tour member, but he has been named the PBA Player of the Year six times, has won titles on five different continents as both an amateur and a professional. And here's his fun fact that I want to learn a little bit more about. He is known as being one of the first bowlers to gain media attention by using the two-handed approach style to deliver his shot.
1: Two-handed. Bo, ain't that cheating? Yeah. I I think we got to start there because
3: I'm a little confused (laughs) by that. (laughs) I gotta Don't see this. I gotta those words already, I, Lupe. I, I, Don't be I, I, starting.
2: Let me let me see. Let me look at. Let me look this up real quick. I love. Listen, listen,
1: yeah. Jason. If you
3: YouTube J- me, you'll see it.
2: Jason, welcome to the show. Uh,
1: first and foremost, thank you lo- for having me, Love, boys love me some Aussies. Love me some Australians. What are you doing, All right? But I'm looking I'll, up I'll, this. I'll... I'm looking up this bowling technique. I'm sorry. Now I just want to let you know something, Jason, about the, these these two people. That you on other than me, they don't appreciate underhanded things. And when I say underhanded things, I don't mean like sneaky things. Like they don't appreciate that underhanded is the way to go in sports. So when I mention that if you shot free throws underhanded, you know what I'm saying? Like with both hands, like an underhanded free throw. I hear you. you would, like you Rick would Barry, be free, right? Yeah, they didn't want that. They they make fun of that. So so just know that in the back of Tom and Royce's mind when you mentioned that you have a underhanded bowling technique that they was snickering and making fun of you i just want to let you i don't know even that.
0: throw i don't even throw cornhole underhand i like throwing it no. overhand just right at the thing
2: i'm not going to lie man this un- this this two hand bowling technique looks like right up my alley i'm not going to lie to you bro <laughs> <laughs> uh well,
3: you know what i'll tell you something uh there's a few um NBA players, uh actually Flavor Flav is a bit of a bowler as well. And uh they they often use the two handed technique for a little uh a little fun. You just get more spin on it, more more hook, so it's it's more fun. But I'm looking forward to uh arguing with you about it.
0: Now can you show us I mean you, you have to have a bowling ball right there.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, honestly, what Royce did was the best way to do it is to like YouTube it so you can you can see it. But um, the it's easy for me to explain it to an Australian because I just tell them it's like a rugby pass. But uh, for you uh, Americans, if you could imagine uh, a rugby pass but with a soccer ball, <laughs> it's it's probably it's like, the easiest way like, to like kind the, of describe it.
2: It's like the left. It's like the left hand is guiding it. So it's not,
1: it's not in between,
2: it's not in between your legs. You're not like
1: walking it up with in between both hands in between your legs. Like how I used to do and just
2: rolling it with both hands.
3: No. Ah, so when you say,
2: when you say two
1: handed bowling technique,
3: that's what it makes you think of. Like exactly. Yeah. So the ball is on the side of my body, right? As I'm swinging the ball backwards and forwards. And like I said, if you YouTube it, it's, it's so much easier to, uh, to see and understand, but, it's not granny style where you kind of, you know, waddle to the line and then put the ball on the ground between your legs and then throw it. It's, it is. You may how, you mean how I bowl now? As you can be. <laughs> yeah, sure. Maybe I haven't seen you bowl, but, uh, you know, if you imagine two-handed bowling for the first time, I bet you that's what you imagine is that granny style push, but it's not that. No, not at all.
1: I like to roll the ball the entire way down the out the alley. That's our bowl. Like I just I keep I stay with the ball until it gets to the pins. That's
2: <laughs> oh that's, yeah, that's my wow, technique, Jason. You're, Listen, we are that's, starting that's from scratch. That's not here. allowed. That's a thought. That's
1: that a thought. Is
3: not allowed. It, it's, it it's, it's, would be it wouldn't be so so difficult if you could literally uh, walk down with it and then just kind of push it through the pins as you want. You've got to stay behind a line. We call it the foul line and it's like that's as far as you can go and it keeps everyone on an even playing field. So
1: so is anything that you do behind that line legal? As long as it happens behind the line? So it's like is is the granny yeah, I mean, style illegal?
3: No. No, you can kick it. If you if you're really good at kicking a ball down the lane, then do it. Uh I think the only things you can't do, you can't use I should I should clarify: Are we talking, you know, like if you guys go on a Friday night for a bit of fun, or are you talking like at a professional level or a competition? Oh, professional
0: level—that's level. what we're competing at. Professional.
3: No, no. First okay, of all, so Tom. So at a professional all, level, you can't. Hold use on, like- Jason. Tom,
1: Tom, in somewhere in his mind, he feels that he's played and actually sat over as commissioner of a professional bowling league. But I
3: was a commissioner
0: of a bowling league. Uh, right but a fake okay, like league, league jason. like your J- your jason. home
3: center I, league
0: my home league yes it was called the XBL it was it was quite a it was quite a good league a sh- it was quite a sham jason it was quite and i, a
3: I
1: sham. won
0: mvp one year on the league and i wonder why oh, so the, the commissioner... commissioner
3: won the mvp There we yes, go. Yeah. Have, that there sounds there we sounds go. Legit, right i <laughs> did that not that vote for real real myself
1: oh <laughs> uh, jason yeah, you counted the votes though
3: right it's it's, it's amazing how quickly, you, how many people voted for you when you count only people who vote for you. I get wow. it. Jason, you've turned on That's me so right. quickly. Yeah. There we go. This is
1: what, I like. <laughs> so this is what quickly. I like to see. On a professional level, professional level, is, is, uh, is things like the granny roll or, you know, is, like, is anything behind the line legal?
0: We'll be right back.
1: Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear?
3: Yeah, so the only thing you can't do, uh, well, there's lots of things you can't do, but you can't use, like, robots, mechanical devices, you can't use a ramp, you can't use, you know, bumpers and stuff like that, obviously. But in terms of the delivery of the ball, if you as a human being hold the ball as long as you stay behind the line and then let go of it on your own, you can do it any way you want. Now... In saying that, there are obviously going to be better ways and worse ways, right? Like if you were to shoot a basketball from your knees, you can do that, but it's not going to reward you with so many points. So would granny style. You could do it that way. And unless you were incredible at it, which is difficult to do because it's hard to generate the speed and the, and the power and the spin. Um, you tend to not lean towards coaching that method just because it's, it's so difficult to actually get strikes where the way that a professional ball, whether it's traditional or the way that I do it uh, you know, it's fundamentally sounder to create more strikes, but there's no, there's no proven way right now that is, that is better or worse. It's just everyone has their, their own thing that that works for them. They get as good as they can at it. And obviously at a professional level, the guys are, you know, we're hitting the size of a dime at, you know, 50 feet, you know, repetitively across a span of a six hour session of, of competitive bowling. So we're really, really accurate. And we're also trying to generate as much power. And it's, it's, it's guys like, you know, Tiger Woods and uh even in the NBA, like, you know, you've got six foot eight, six foot nine point guards. Now, like, If you are faster and stronger and more powerful and can deliver something with more speed and you're accurate, you're just going to be better than someone who doesn't have those attributes. And that's the same thing in bowling. We're trying to generate more speed, more power, and become more accurate because we want to knock over 10 pins, and power helps you do that. So the way that I deliver a bowling ball, it helps generate power. It helps generate speed. And if you can funnel that in with accuracy, then you've kind of got a recipe on, on how to strike more than everyone else.
1: Bryce, this is supposed to be a serious conversation about serious details about bowling, man. This is serious. Anyway. Um, it, it was weighing heavily first.
3: on his mind. Look, before mm. he even asked the question, I could see his, his brain just like ticking over. I gotta ask this mm-hmm. question. This is keeping me up at night now he knows the yeah. answer look at him so much more relaxed but that, but He's that's a now closing i can sleep question you know, have
1: a good conversation that's a, that's a, now i, now I can a, sleep that's a closing question that's a that's a question you asked after you got through the big heavy stuff and you asked you asked a question like that at the end to kind of soften things up and you don't just come off the top of the dome without i uh, will edit it um, in post
3: lupe we'll just cut it out and put off it the top the, of the, <laughs> off the top of the dome with a popular poem
1: <laughs> hey um so, Jason, do you have a quick history? Since we're talking about Philip Flintstone being the first bowler, and normally folks who are in a craft like myself and Royce, we we have a responsibility to have somewhat of a knowledge of the history of our craft and our art. Um, what is kind of like a, a quick synopsis history of kind of like bowling?
3: Um, right, that's a good question, from, Lupe. Thank yeah. you for for actually asking a serious question on this interview. I appreciate it. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> So, okay, here is the history of bowling. And in a nutshell, it's one of the oldest games invented. There are um, Egyptian tombstones and and coffins and within their burial areas of actual... Uh, 10 pins and and a ball, as if it were that particular person's favorite game that they wanted to be buried with. So we're talking, you know, a few thousand years ago, and much like Fred Flintstone, they used just a, a smoothened rock and some rock-shaped pins, and they were much smaller than what we see today. But that's the very first sign of the game of bowling, um, which is, yeah, like I said, thousands of years ago. Now, uh, there's a bit of a gap between the Egyptians and the modern day, and it was filled with, again, just different versions of bowling. It wasn't the same, but it would be three pins or five pins, but they all had these pins and balls throughout the ages. Moving into, like, the 20th century, in the 19th century, we see more of the the game that we see today, right? We see the shape of the pin, uh the larger bowling ball, but again, still no holes in the bowling ball, just... Uh, a round um, ball of, uh, depending what it was made of, but then in the early 1900s, uh, the United States Bowling Congress, uh, which wasn't called that back then, I'm not entirely sure what it was called back then, but they decided, no, we want to actually formalise this game and and make some proper rules. So we had a standardised size of pins. We had the height and weight of a bowling ball and the size of a bowling ball was standardised. And then at the time, you could only use two fingers. You could put your thumb in it and then another finger. Fast forward some more years and then we get proper lanes, right, where now it's not just a dirt track. We're talking about wood lanes. They built it out of a really... Well, back in the day, it was like a really solid oak wood and they created the distance of the lane and you had gutters now, so you could get zero by not just rolling it away from the pins, but you also had to, you know, be accurate to a degree. Uh, then we started putting oil on top of the lane to protect the lane, and then we started to advance the technology in bowling balls and in pins, and we built, you know, proper big facilities. And you probably would have seen some of the old school pictures of like pin boys, right? Where uh, back behind the pins, it wasn't automated. You had, you know, kids that would earn, you know, nickels and quarters to set up pins for the night for, for the people to go bowling. So they would set all the pins up and then get out of the way and do it all night. Um, and then came the, the biggest I think um, introduction to bowling and that's the automation of it, right The machines that reset the pins. We have oiling machines now so you can um, we'll get into oil maybe a little bit later because it's really an important part of our game. But oh no, we're we gonna get into
1: that oil soon lanes. as you soon as you finish talking because Tom thinks Tom thinks when it comes to the oil patterns, I don't know what I'm talking about, but but I'm sorry for cutting you off, but I just wanted to let you know that we're getting into keep oil going into immediately. Please keep going. Like, immediately we jumping into oil. As soon as you finish this, we getting right into oil. Just FYI. All
3: right. Sorry. Then go ahead, I'm, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm liking this died. vibe here. I'm liking it. All right. So then after all that invention, um, the game... Uh, Evolved like every other game, right? Golf clubs got bigger and could hit the golf ball further. Golf balls were getting better at absorbing friction and and um, transfer of energy, and the same thing was happening to bowling balls. So now we've got bowling balls that would curve more, that have uh, retain more power through the pins, through weight blocks and cover stocks, and it became it, it has become uh, quite technical and. It's also a part of the game that I really love because it it's not just about throwing a ball at 10 pins anymore. There's geometry and physics and chemistry that if you're at the very top level, uh, you have to understand. And as we see the game now, we traditionally see two fingers in a bowling ball, which those rules have changed over the years, and a thumb. And now the way that I bowl, I use just two fingers with two hands on the ball and we have, you know, machines that uh, are completely automated now. You press a button, they oil 80 lanes on their own. We've got machines that are constantly sending the balls back, setting the pins up with very little uh, human involvement at all. And we've got computer scoring. So a lot of the game now is, has become automated. And those machines that I'm talking about, which will... This would be a really great segue, Lupe, into the uh, oil patterns. These machines can design an infinite amount of patterns. So, there you go. Here we go. Now, check this out, Thomas. Wait a minute. Wait. Hold on. No,
1: hold on. Wait. Hold on, Thomas. All right. All right. Go ahead. Excuse me, Thomas go ahead Mr. XBL uh, 2018 19 <laughs> uh, 2012 uh 2011 uh 20 2009 1986 just it's just just a consecutive string of MVPs that's the world record I hear. um it, is there is there a
3: pattern called cheetah There is The
1: oil pattern code. That's one for you Yep Tom.
3: There is there you go Yep that. absolutely so Uh, And without visual aids, it's going to be really difficult. But okay, so imagine uh, a machine that goes down the lane and you may have seen it happen before. It's the oil machine. It's putting the oil on the lane. Well, imagine that as like a printer and you give that machine a file and you design uh, a, a lane pattern, a graphic essentially, that you are now painting on top of the lane. So as it goes down, it's injecting oil across the lane. Now, the, the pattern that Lupe just said, the cheetah, uh, has a very specific, uh, quality about it. So the lane is 60 feet and every oil pattern, uh, has a name. So you can replicate it. You can share it. You can, um, create tournaments based around that particular oil pattern. Um, and the cheetah is oiled only about just past halfway down the lane. So there's a lot of non-oil boards down the lane, which means in order for you to get the ball with curve down the lane, you're going to have to throw it a lot faster than normal. Hence the name Cheetah, because it is the fastest land animal in the world. So they name these patterns and based on the characteristics of the patterns. Another name of another PBA oil pattern is uh, Shark. And the Shark oil pattern has a very, very long distance oil, but it forces the player to play more on the inside part of the lane. Now, the bowling colloquialism for inside is deep. If you want to play deep on the lane, that's where you would play. Now, a Shark swims deep in the ocean so that was the connection between the the shark and the oil and there's there is a, a massive amount we've got chameleon and that's because the oil is constantly changing the the way that they um transfer the oil onto the lane is with a very light volume and every time someone rolls a ball down the lane the oil is changing like a chameleon so There's a lot of different names, a lot of ways that you can oil an oil pattern, and essentially the easiest way to understand it is you oil an oil pattern in terms of the level of difficulty. You can have it super easy, or you can have it super hard, and that's by the displacement of oil on the lane. So that's, in a nutshell, why oil is important, and it's also invisible, which makes why I think bowling is one of the hardest games in the world – because our actual playing environment isn't just the lane. It's the oil on top and it's invisible. And we change the pattern. We create a level of difficulty of an environment we can't see. So it's really, really tricky to, uh, to make adjustments.
0: Who's, who chooses that?
3: Yeah. Well, in, in like an XBL league, like you were the commissioner. Thank of you. It would have been you, the commissioner. Right, you, which is probably why you were the MVP for like because I was the only one who knew the
0: pattern, and I could pull that pattern. Yeah,
3: you knew the pattern, and you were because
1: just, you were exactly. a so, a cheater, a cheater, as opposed to the cheater pattern. It was the the cheater. I take great yeah, offense. I, I, I take great yeah. offense <laughs> to that comment.
3: <laughs> so on the PBA tour, we have a lane maintenance. Um, uh, I I don't know his his actual title. If it's like the the head of the lane maintenance. Um, and, and lane um, development, oil pattern development. But there is a, a team of people with a guy at the top who designs the oil patterns and then on a given week, he will be the one to select certain patterns. And, and you would select those based on a few different variables. So if you go to a really really old bowling center hypothetically to run a PBA tour event, well, the the lanes would be super old. So you would want to match an oil pattern that would still benefit the players. So it's it's no different than golf, right? Like if if the the fairways are just disastrous and terrible, you would want to fix that part of the course before the PGA Tour came through. And the same thing would be said for bowling. You wouldn't want to put down a cheetah oil pattern on a very, very old bowling center because there's already enough friction and enough hook, so you'd want something else. So that guy and that team make their decisions based on a whole bunch of variables, and then we turn up, we get told uh, this is what the oil pattern is this week. We have a practice session that lasts about two, two and a half hours um, the day before the event, and then the next day, we're into it for score, trying to, to beat the best players in the world on that oil pattern. Then, next week, there's another oil pattern in another facility, and maybe it's a brand new facility, you know, a $5 million stadium facility that doesn't need so much oil on the lane because the lanes are brand new. So then that team would organize what they think is the best oil pattern for that week. And we get told the day before, and then away we go again.
0: In baseball, for instance, right? We've gotten to the point, American baseball, where they are now creating rules because this year the pitchers, it was it was too hard to hit the pitchers, right? They, they, they actually... They actually just recently in the major leagues, they, they could stop. They had to stop using stuff that made their hands grippier, right? Because it was it was it was causing the the batters not to be able to hit the ball. Are you getting to the point in this sport where this technology has went so far that it's it's almost making it? I'm not going to say easier, but let's say there's more 300 point games than there ever's been. I'm not sure if that's right or not. Is it getting to the point where technology is almost helping you so much? that it's less about the individual skill of the bowler.
3: So from a recreational standpoint, what you're talking about, that's very, very true because of these, you know, 50, $60,000 oil machines that have the ability to, Uh, repeat an oil pattern so perfectly remembering once upon a time it was all done by hand so you would have human error and it wouldn't be smooth and beautiful for the players to 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 roll a ball over but now you've got these very expensive machines and like like most of humanity right we we tend to want things to be easier rather than harder so Bowling center owners, proprietors, are saying, "Well, I just bought this fifty, sixty thousand dollar machine. It has the ability to make this particular oil pattern really easy, and my my players, my customers, are going to be happy because they're they're rolling more strikes and they feel good about themselves, and yeah, they're getting perfect games and all of these things." Now that's that that very basic end of the spectrum of competitive play like that is the the simplistic just mates want to hang out with mates and have a good time when you move to the professional level those oil patterns are not easy like i said we're hitting you know a, a dime or a nickel at, at 45 feet and that's because we have to if we don't we don't have the luxury of these easier oil patterns our oil patterns are difficult meaning if i miss that target spot I don't get any help from the way the oil pattern is designed. So the bowling balls mixed with the technology in oil pattern and the way that we can oil the lane, naturally scores are going up at a recreational um, level, but at a professional level, one press of that button and as good as I think I am, I can be bowling less than 200s and 200 is like our par score, our average score. So... It's really easy to make a professional bowl really bad and really easy to make an amateur bowl really good, all because of the oil pattern that we have in it. Then that's, that's part of the reason and one of the fights that we have within our industry is how do we get professional athletes to garner the respect that they deserve for being so accurate and having so much power? But people are unaware because it's invisible. You can't see the oil. So every lane looks the same. So, you know, a guy who bowls with his buddies on a Friday night league says, Oh, hold on a second. I just watched the PBA tour on Fox like yesterday. And Jason Belmonte bowled like 203. But I'm in league here and I'm about to bowl 258. Like Maybe I'm better than the professional. And it's really, really difficult to translate that. I have some ways that I think you could do it. But that's a, a massive can that I don't know if you guys want to open on the show, but um, there are ways that we need to visualize it so people can understand it, which then allows professionals that respect. And it also gives the amateurs a little bit of an understanding of, well, this is where I am. Like I bowl on this oil pattern. It's not the same as theirs. So if I want to be like them, I'm going to have to go bowl on, on harder oil patterns. Mm,
1: the oil pattern... Is kind of like the competition when you think about, you know, like what makes this sport like difficult, right? Um I think of something like yeah. basketball. I, I
3: use golf, Lupe, as, a, as an. As, I use I use golf as the analogy, the comparison, because it is so similar. Like you have a golf course, you want to beat everybody else, but you're playing the hole, right? Like if you get a birdie or a par or a bogey, no one else did that to you. You you took every shot, you missed your putts. That's it. You move on, the next player comes on to play that hole. And it's the same in bowling. Like, I, I'm not affecting physically any of my opponents. I mean, maybe maybe you can throw a lot of strikes and intimidate your opponent. They get nervous or something if you put pressure on them. But, you know, in basketball, if a player is scoring at will, well, you double team him, right? So now it's harder. It's not like that in in bowling or golf. So you're playing the lanes and the pins, and you just hope that you play them better than everyone else, so you win the tournament.
1: And I got a quick question for you. Two two questions, right? This the the easy one first. How how much of the how much of the game is the pins? Like how much do the pins play a role as heavy as kind of like the oil patterns, or is, is the role of the pins? Just kind of a luck of the draw type situation or does it have the same level of kind of complexity as like the the oil patterns? And I have another question, but...
3: It's a really good... Sure. Well, that's a really good question because it's the one part of our game that I think a lot of people forget about that, you know, the way the pins are set up and how you hit them is a huge factor in getting strikes or spares or splits, right? So, um as a, as if you want to get the best possible strike and it's why professionals curve the ball you want to see angle through those pins so if you can create curve and get the ball to be curving into the pocket a perfect strike actually the ball only hits four pins and the other pins ricochet to hit each other over so you want that angle to be absolutely perfect and if those pins are not put On the correct spots then that will influence how the pins ricochet and you may not get a strike you may get a split when you thought you were going to get a strike because you delivered a perfect delivery all right and that's something that is annoying because the pins are a long way away and the machines are doing their best to set them up exactly in the right spot all the time but sometimes they miss and if they're off a centimeter or two or an inch you may be able to see it, and you may ask for a re rack. You can reset the pins and, and get a better a, a better rack of pins. But sometimes you don't see it, and you throw the ball, and you're like, "That's going to be a strike!" And bang, you know, one or two pins stand, and you're like, "Man, that that should have struck. Why? I mean, why didn't that strike?" And it it could very well be because the pl- the pins were not put right on spot now the only thing we haven't done in our industry is change the pin height or weight so if you want to make the game even harder then you would make the pins heavier because right now they they bounce around a little bit they fly around and if you want to really make it hard where you would just double the weight of the pins and all of a sudden now those pins just kind of go just fall over softly where now they fly around a little bit and that's one of the advantages that I have with the way that I bowl, I generate so much power, I can send those pins flying off the walls and ricocheting and bouncing around. And, you know, the ball hasn't done its job completely. There's usually a pin or two flying around that has a chance to hit the other pin that hasn't fallen mm-hmm. over yet. I,
1: I hear that the XBL was uh, was uh, gluing pins. <laughs> they were using super glue, gorilla glue in some of their games.
0: I think any time well, I didn't get it straight for, for what. Anytime I didn't to get gl- a strike I'm now blaming it on the pl- the, the pin wasn't perfectly to glue to, glue to
2: glue the pins to glue the
0: pins in place.
1: Yeah, that's what the XBL I heard that's the rumor on the sh- on the streets. I don't know if it's it's, it's mm-hmm. you know it's not corroborated, you know, but that's what bad
0: rumor. Bad rumor. Bad rumor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so what I took away what I took away from all of this narrative about bowling is that I just I need don't. the right oil pattern to look like a superstar.
3: Yeah. That's what you said? Yes, that's, that's about right. Yeah. We can design you. We could, we will design. I, I can talk to the PBA, alright? We'll have a, a Lupe, uh, a Royce, and a Tom oil pattern, right? Based on the way that you guys bowl, we can design. We'll name them after you, alright? Obviously. And, uh, depending on your form, we'll say, right, this is how we think we can get you, uh, the most, optimum oil pattern for your game and then you know what you could do you guys could challenge each other uh on that oil pattern and you know take the crown off i would love it's it designed for, you know?
0: i can't wait oh this is going to be great
3: and to make things fair based off the history of the xbl commissioner and and the sketchiness and the shadiness of it i can come in and kind of like reside over it all and make sure that it's legit and that way you guys will feel feel like it's a fair fair contest. No problem.
1: Man, I would love that. That would be fantastic to have an oil pattern named after us. That would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah we'll get me you the, all
3: hooked up. I'll make sure Give me the, easiest you get one. the best bowling balls. Yeah, you get the easiest one. It'll be like walking down there, Royce, and using your feet. That's how I play. easy we'll make <laughs> it. Right? I,
2: play, I, play NBA, and, I play NBA 2K on Rookie.
1: Now wait We're a, a minute. Creative
0: player. Now wait a minute. We've talked about the pins, we've talked about the oil, we've talked about now how about the ball? Like the, we talked the, about
1: the balls a little bit. No, but I'm
0: talking about like
2: a little
1: bit. the
0: weight of the ball. Like now, does every professional bowler use do they max out on the weight? Or is that a variable that you that you put a lot no. of thought into?
3: Alright, so I'm gonna this this is where it can get really complicated, right? So I'm gonna really simplify this and try and be quick. Okay, so a bowling ball uh, is pretty amazing. And what you don't see on the inside is decades of R&D and testing and chemistry and physics. And it's no different. And I again, I hate using, I'm sorry to use golf as the example, but it's no different than a golf ball. Okay, we see the outside of a golf ball. You get one from 30 years ago and from today. They look the same. You know, Maybe they've got some fancy dots on the outside of it, a little bit changed, but on the inside there's so much that has changed, and the same thing applies in bowling. So, Im- imagine uh, if you could visually cut the ball in half, Okay, it splits into two. Inside the ball, you would see what's called a weight block, and that weight block has a design, and there is an infinite amount of designs that you can do to a, b- a weight block. And That weight block will have heavier portions to it, lighter portions. It may even have odd shapes to it. And the idea is as it rolls, the ball will want to lean towards the heavier side of the ball. So as it's rolling and flipping, it'll want to pull towards that heavier side. So you can create these bowling balls that are designed to go very, very straight. And then that weight block kind of kicks in and then it creates a lot of angle. You can have them where it's more of a controlled, smoother roll, so that weight block kind of gets into its roll a little sooner, so it blends the shape out, becomes more controllable. And on those oil patterns that we've been talking about, every bowling ball is used like a club in golf. If I'm 300 yards out, I'm not using a putter, I'm using a driver, right? Or if in bowling, if I want the ball to go straight, I'm using ball A and not ball b because ball b is designed to hook a lot and i don't want it to hook right now i want a ball that goes straighter so we have on tour i travel with anywhere between 20 and 30 something bowling balls and each of those bowling balls is designed for a specific purpose and then to make things even more complicated but I think it's important to know the outside of the bowling ball is also a chemistry mixture uh, which creates another reason to use a specific ball. One outside of the bowling ball could be shiny so it'll go straighter. It might have more tackiness to it so it creates more, more skid flip, more skid angle. There could be one that's really dull and it's designed to hook a lot. So all of my bowling balls have different weight blocks, they have different cover stocks, and all of them fit for a certain or specific pattern or a specific part of the lane that I'm trying to play. Sometimes they'll blend over, so this ball might be really good for the cheetah and also the shark, it just may happen to be that way, but We have to look at our equipment, look at our bag and say, right, this is the ball that I'm going to use and this is how much curve I'm going to give it and this is how fast I'm going to throw it because if any of those variables change, I no longer get a strike, I get a split. And sometimes you use the wrong ball, just like you do a club. So you look down, you go, "Well, this one's no good anymore, let's grab another one. And you're trying to put together all of the pieces to the puzzle and it's really complicated and difficult. And it's you, you have to be quite you don't have to be, but it's better if you're a little more intelligent because you understand the complexities of physics, geometry, um, chemistry that all make sense in just throwing a ball down a lane. Like that, that's just one part of the game which I'm really I'm not intelligent with because, but. On the pattern that we're designing for you, Royce, that super mm-hmm. easy, you know, uh, NBA two K rookie, we we, we mm. <laughs> it won't matter. Yeah, you won't need any of the, <laughs> of, the of the knowledge. Just you bowl it.
0: You just need one choice. ball that you can throw right down the lane. Yo, so how? Yeah, and
3: we'll how, hook you up with that one too.
1: How important is is lane choice? Was that a, is that a thing? Is is lane, Are there two different patterns? Like if you go into because I've seen. Uh, Tournaments where it's just they it's just two lanes, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Does each will each of those lanes have the same pattern? Um, Are you do you do you guys switch lanes in between kind of like sessions, Um, or is it like you know um, I want that particular lane, you know, and there's or is it kind of random how things are chosen?
3: Okay, so let's break it down into a professional tournament from beginning to end really quickly. Mm -hmm. The first Mm -hmm. part of the tournament is qualifying, and we have a couple of hundred competitors competing, and we might be in a bowling center that is between 48 lanes and 80 lanes large, okay? And everybody gets assigned a random lane to start with. We bowl a game on two lanes. So we get assigned a lane, but you bowl a game over two lanes, okay? Once you finish that game, you move from that pair to another pair, and so does everybody else across the house. So you Mm. might play... In total, in qualifying, up to 50 something games in qualifying, Jesus. where you're, you're moving around the entire house bowling on all the different lanes over the space of four or five days of qualifying, anywhere between four to six hours per day of, of competition play. Ho- hold, on, so hold
1: on, hold on, hold, it's on, exhausting. Day, hold on. Oh, that'd be oh, How did, good. how did, how do you get to qual? How do you even make it into qualifying?
3: Okay. So, you, when you are in the top, I think it's the top seventy-five in points. You get an uh, an automatic berth into the fa- into the tournament. Then we have spots for tournament qualifiers. So if you're not in that number, it might even be more now. It might be a hundred. The top one hundred get their get their spot in the tournament, and then mm. there will be an allocated number of extra spots for pre-tournament qualifiers. So. If you wanted to, Lupe, if you were a, a PBA member, you could turn up to a pre-tournament qualifier, and if you bowled better than the rest and you made that cut, you would then join the main event. Mm, Once you're in okay. the main event, you bowl all the qualifying games. That, again, takes all week, and then you're left with five players. Those five players then go to a special championship pair where you see on Fox Sports, right? The cameras, the lights, the crowds... All on the lanes. We have crowds, but they're always behind us because, well, we're using the lanes. When mm. the championship pair is ready, we build the set around around the lane. Oh, Those okay. five guys will only bowl on two lanes, the championship pair, and fifth will play fourth in the stepladder, play third, play second, play the champion, and whoever wins that game leaves with the money, leaves with the trophy, unless... You are the commissioner of the XPL, and you just get awarded the championship trophy whenever you feel like it.
0: Unbelievable!
1: Unbelievable! I love it! I love it! Is bowling in the Olympics?
3: It is not, but we're trying very hard to push our way into it.
1: Would it be be summer or winter?
2: Here
0: you
3: go. That's a good question. Didn't bowling? Didn't bowling? Didn't bowling used to be all? Didn't it used to be in the Olympics? A long, long time ago, it was in one Olympics as a demonstration sport, I believe. Mm. And I'm talking, yeah. I couldn't even give you the year of the Olympics, but I'm talking like maybe the 20s or 30s, 1920s or 30s. Um And then for some reason at the time, bowling never really pushed for it. I don't even know if the Olympics, I'm sure they were a big deal back then, but perhaps not nearly as big business as it is today. So mm. someone back then just said, eh, is it really that important? I don't know, maybe not, and just didn't fight for it. Fast forward to today, it is a huge business. And if your sport is in the Olympics, not only do you get a lot of money from governments to support your programs, but you get sponsorship dollars, you get uh, world or global um, television rights. There's a lot that goes behind it financially now. So, bowling is a sport that, even though I'm inside it and love it, I I feel like it deserves it. Like, we are mm. a, an accurate-based sport. Uh, we're played in nearly every country in the world. We have great female representation. We have great um, diversity and cultures around the world that that play. You know, we tick a lot of boxes. But the one thing we don't tick is we're not in it so in order mm. to get in it you're fighting with a lot of other sports that also mm. believe that they should be in it and there's only so many spots so we're fighting we're, we're trying to you know we're trying to make it happen it's just it's very red tape-ish and you know you've got to you've got to know what to say and who to say it to and how to do what you're saying if you can do those things you might have a chance
0: what mm. what country would take home the gold if you were in there this year in the Summer Olympics? Every year. Like
1: which country would just come in, in come in and Dude, dominate
3: Australia. every yeah. year? Dude, you're, you're talking you're you're talking, talking to, to an Australian. potential gold, <laughs> gold, <laughs> gold, <laughs> gold, <laughs> gold medals. Okay. You gotta believe it. Otherwise why would I turn up to the Olympics thinking, Oh, I'm just gonna get silver. Alright, who comes? Like, I point. think I'm gonna win. Who
0: gets the silver then? How about that how about that question?
3: Outside of the commissioner of the XPL, Outside it would be an of American as well. Be, so, so, who,
1: so who would yeah, get bronze would be, then? Here we go. Who would be bronze? Because we know, we know Tom's getting silver every year for some reason.
3: Okay. Bronze would be another American <laughs> or uh, it would be a Swede. Swedish bowlers are, are fantastic. Korean mm. bowlers are very, very strong. Mm. Um There are a few like uh Latin American, Colombians, Venezuelans that on their day are incredibly tough to beat. So it would be fascinating. You know, we have Bowling World Cups, which um, you know, you you represent your country at a World Cup and it's again, the same thing from all over. America tends to dominate that over the history. But um, you know, I've I've won the World Cup before for Australia, and it's no wow, reason why look at I, this, you know, look, at we, this. We, look at this, we That's Australians awesome. can't keep up with you Americans every now yeah. and then. I mean, it was in yeah. Australia, and
0: he was the commissioner that year, but whatever. Hey, hey listen, man, <laughs> I, I just want to let you know, Jason, you
1: are on you are on this you are on the podcast with in in our respective fields. We have some some clout and some some. Royce is fresh off of a Grammy nomination for his album, right? I have four. Tom, as you know, as the president of the XBL, multiple MVPs, multiple. you know, a lot of asterisks on his record, but you are in company VIP. of people who, yeah. who've accomplished, you know, a, a great things, you know, just so
3: yeah. you know. I'll, I'll be, I'll be like, <laughs> I'll be fully transparent with you boys, okay? Like, I came on here and I, I told my wife before, you know, coming on the show, um, hey, yeah, I've got this show and I'm pretty nervous. And she's like, oh, why is that? I'm like, because I was born in the 80s and uh, my uncle introduced me to rap early in my life. He, he was like a, a rebel uncle. So, you know, my mum and dad are probably a little straight and narrow. And he introduced me to rap uh, early in my life. And I'm like, I'm talking to Lupe Fiasco, okay, and Royce the Five Nine, And she... Doesn't know who you are. She's not into the music game, and I'm like, this is a big deal. I don't want to come on the show and be like, <laughs> hey, uh, can can I get a, an autograph? Like, can, I don't want to be like that guy. I don't want. I'm like, but inside, just to let you know, I'm. I feel like up until I just literally said what I just said, I've controlled myself very well because <laughs> I'm huge fans of you guys, uh, and and now to come to find, I'm also talking to the MVP. Uh, of the XP for 35 you. years thank you I'm just thank even you. more blown away but thank you. in all seriousness <laughs> boys your music is it's dope I love it um and I really really am honored to be on your show so yes uh I am very aware Lupe of the clout on the show
1: okay just making sure you know what I'm saying you're still around World Cup and all this other stuff rather flagrantly <laughs> oh, and loosely, as if you weren't I talking to G's I, I have a the, the second question I have for you way back then um Earlier was I know like people who are you know you you're you're, they're super intelligent if their sport happens to be super intelligent right like you could you could you your sport is so precise so analytical um, when you're when you're in the midst that I'm sure that you have a a level of intelligence above and beyond the average kind of Joe schmo Um, and so me and Royce uh, being in the music space uh, the music space can sometimes be Uh, Very subjective. Right. Um, And we kind of look for things in the music space to compete. Like we want like if rap was in the Olympics, like we think like that, too. Right. And even uh, uh, I think breakdancing just got into the Olympics uh, not too long ago. It was kind of up up on there. Right. Um, and it was like, there had to be a way to find out how to get breakdancing into the Olympics. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's always Mm -hmm. been competitive ballroom dancing and stuff like that, but there had to be something kind of put in place to make the case. Like, yes, this is something that you can actually can compete and score and do X, Y, Z, and stuff like that. Um, being at the level that you are in your sport, which is, which is objective, but has all these different elements of, of competition and complexity if rap wanted to get into the olympics as you know it and as being a, an aficionado of rap um what do you think could <laughs> be say, added but... you know into our space to make it competitive like to make it as as objective as something like like bowling well, i know it's a wild question that's but that's a you know, really just throw
3: it out there. no that's that's a really good question and off the top of my head you know it, it would be difficult to answer but and I, I, I'm only thinking this because you've literally just said it to me and I've had, what, all of 15 seconds and I'm trying to, to buy some more time by saying this, by thinking in the background a little more about what else I could say. <laughs> Love but this guy. You could potentially, if you were to try to get rap into the Olympics, have a set criteria of things that you need to do in a certain verse or lyrically um, written, perhaps it's I, for, again, there might be uh, not just best sound, but there might be the fastest rapper gold medal, right? So who can mm. lyrically say more words, have a set phrase that all the rappers in the world have. You get a time limit and you have to say as many within the beat as you can. And the fastest wins the gold. That could be one Mm -hmm. way to do it. If you wanted Mm -hmm. to do it purely as a subjective sound, like diving is, right? You have judges. You have three judges, five judges, and they all give their scores on what they thought was the best dive, and they take the lowest and the highest out, so they're no longer a part of it, and then they average out the middle scores. You could get, if you weren't competing yourselves, right? You would have proper... Um, you know, professional rappers that know rap from every aspect. And you could have people come in, create a beat, rap to it. They get their set time. It would be like a battle, essentially a mm. battle against everyone else. And you have judges that say, wow, well, that, that beat hit harder than everyone else's beat. And the judges say whatever they score and you would get. You would get the winner, you know. In in a battle as it is now, one on one, the crowd determines that. And if you have, if you have enough people in the crowd that are on your side, you could swing a vote, right? Like you could mm. you could clearly be a loser in a battle, but the crowd says we don't like that guy, so he's not going to win. But at that level, you would have to make sure that your judges were like legit, they were in this for the right reasons, and you'd get your you know you get your rappers from all over the world competing for. The US, Australia, you know, parts of Europe. There's some underground people I'm sure that would come out if there was like, you know, a way to get global recognition really quickly. There's not much easier ways than get global recognition in your space than winning the gold medal at the Olympics in your sport. So Mm. if there was one for rap, you could do that. But the problem that you guys have in America (laughs) is who would you get to represent usa i mean like you're talking about the goats of of rap and up and well country, i'm not i'm, I'm
2: the only lyricist i'm the only lyricist in america who spits oil patterns <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: So
3: <laughs> i deliver familiar, Royce.
2: literal I oil. oil patterns man like the, you know the tough ones the easy ones you name it. Listen,
3: I'll be super upset if I'm not mentioned about with oil patterns in your next, you know, <laughs> next songs. I'll be like super depressed.
1: Oh man, uh, what's up with the shoes, man? So, mm. okay, good question.
2: What's up with these shoes?
3: Yeah, so we 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 don't have we don't have a lot of like you know cool bowling shoes out there. Fred but,
2: Flintstone got something um, to do with that, this.
3: <laughs> he, it's his fault. You know, if he hadn't mm-hmm. worn, you know, some, some Jordan ones back then, it may be different. We would all be bowling in Jordan ones, but no. So that's, that's actually a topic that I'm really glad you brought up because I have become very passionate about sneakers and shoes. And I want to bring, um, my, my sneaker love into the bowling world. And it's never been done before where you kind of have that. You know, that hype, that really cool sneaker that there's a collab with or something that you love, we don't have that in bowling. Right now, bowling shoes are, you wear them because you need them. And yeah, they look nice now because of the technology that we have and the materials that we use, but they're still not cool. Like I would never wear one of my bowling shoes with a pair of like nice jeans and a dope shirt to go out in. I just wouldn't do that. So, I've decided... I've got a pair here. Let me show you. Alright. So, the first thing is, this is a standard kind of look-in bowling shoe. Alright? And I've um, got these ones in gold, which is kind of dope. So, this is a standard bowling that shoe. That is really but nice. It's nice, but, it, but it's a bowling shoe, right? And... You wouldn't wear this out. Like, you could design a gold shoe, but this is not. You're going to wear, you you know, wear, like a wear it to an award show.
1: Listen, Royce, Royce, will, wear wear Royce Travis, will wear that
3: out. Perhaps? Royce would def- will Royce wear that out. I will wear it like, I will wear it to the BET Awards. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> for, for best oil pattern. Yeah. Uh, now, now, now Jason, don't we'll do
1: customs. Those are some Detroit looking yeah. shoes. I just, I just really really quickly no, those are some no, that no. Ha, listen, that was a silver shoe, Royce, with a red bottom. That is a, don't talk, of, don't talk about
2: don't talk about the city that gave y'all I'm, shoes. I'm, we gave I'm not, y'all uh, shoes.
3: I'm, I'm not getting in the middle of your <laughs> of your city. Here. I'm staying well away from that. So my love of sneakers, okay. Yeah. I wanna bring that into bowling and like I collect sneakers now and I've got I got I got too many. Um, for my wife's liking but not enough for my own liking and I'm actually in the middle of like designing some some dope sneaker type of bowling shoes so you know when you want to wear a shoe that looks like uh, you know obviously we we can't copy a Jordan 1 but if you want a, a high top bowling shoe with you know, kind of that athletic material. That's what I want to bring to the game. So I'm already in conversations with all of my sponsors to start developing that type of shoe and try and bring that culture into bowling because, That's you know, right now we have people out there that are... Um, you know, like I, I, it's, it gets a little expensive when you're trying to customize your shoes, right? So you buy them off like stock or if you're lucky enough to hit them manually or if you've got a couple of plugs, fantastic. And then you send them to someone and you say, Hey, can you put my, my bowling slide on the bottom of these shoes? Mm-hmm. And then you're starting to pay resale values for these shoes, especially if they're hype. Then you're customizing them. Dude, it's expensive. And you know, I'm. I, I feel like I can afford the shoes that I buy. And even I'm starting to go like, I can't keep doing this. So what what's a way that I can do this where, you know, if there is like a 12 or 13-year-old kid that just wants to wear dope shoes because he's into sneakers, but he can't afford to buy and customize his sneakers, like why can't I give that to him and, and make it really affordable mm. and give him great quality shoes? And then I would wear them too, like, you know, so... Anyway, that's the next level in my kind of entrepreneurial side of my career is, is wow. bringing out these products great. that I'm passionate about, that I love, and you know that make bowling cooler.
1: Listen, I'm a ten and a half US, so don't don't forget you got ten it. and a half US. I want all the colors, man,
2: all the
0: colors. Locked in there. Yeah, but when you're oh,
2: bowling, you okay. gotta wear you gotta wear a thirteen and a half when you're bowling. Why is that? <laughs> that's just the rule. I don't know. I don't know why that's the rule. <laughs> You gotta wear a way bigger shoe than what you would normally wear, it seems like.
3: See, uh, going back to the Olympics, I think we should have Royce come up with all the rules. It would be like <laughs> the most awesome bowling event. <laughs> it would be like bowling in the Olympics, hosted by Royster59 with his rules. And if you we guys don't are, get you guys are. Y'all
2: aren't not get into the Olympics with that? Yeah. Y'all how, aren't worthy because y'all don't appreciate y'all don't appreciate my dumb rules, man. So y'all not <laughs> y'all not worthy.
3: How how spec The how fact spe- that you call them dumb <laughs> that makes them even better.
1: How how uh how specialized is the bowling shoe? Is it as specialized as to to the to the craft to the to the task of of, of rolling the bowling ball? Um, does it have the same level oh, of dude. attention as the as the ball and and, and stuff like that?
3: So much, so mm. much, right? So. Your footwork, I guess in any sport, right? Your footwork is critical in everything that you do. If you're slipping and sliding and sticking when you shouldn't be, you're just not going to be able to do your craft well at all, right? And bowling is exactly the same. So you think about how many bowling centers there are in the world, and then you think about the approach, where you where you walk and where you bowl the delivery. That's called the approach approach. There are sticky approaches, there are slippery approaches, there are new approaches, there are old approaches, there are synthetic uh, kind of plastic-made approaches, and then you have like traditional wood approaches, and they all have characteristics that are different. So like, I don't know if you can see it, but on the bottom here, this is all Velcro. This is Mm. a Velcro thing, and I have the ability to... I wonder if my other shoe has it, because it's kind of interesting...
0: Now he's Velcroing yeah, different crazy. different types of yeah, material to, to slide differently. <laughs> I have 20 different balls to I choose from. Have, um, I got a million different I oils to go. Pattern. Oh, God.
3: Yeah, so what you can do is the leather that would go on the bottom to create your slide, there mm. are hundreds of different... Oh, hang on a sec. I can show you to a degree. So this heel, right? This heel Velcros on... All right. So that specific material will generate a specific friction in your slide. And if it's too much, you would just throw that one away and you would get another one and you would just whack it on the bottom of your shoe, stick it there, and away you go. And you would just keep doing that. And there are different numbered, you know, like from one to I think 12 in terms of tackiness and slide on the front part. And then there's I think one through eight for the heel. So you're essentially mixing and matching to give you that perfect slide. And if you can deliver a perfect slide, if you can deliver the ball because of a perfect slide, you're going to, to be more repetitive. You're going to be more accurate. So your footwork and your shoes, man, I say this, like it is the most important part of, of my, I never travel with those and, and put them with my. They come with me. Like my shoes are in my backpack when I'm traveling. I don't go anywhere where they're not in my sight because if I lose them or if they get damaged, I can't deliver a bowling ball, and I'm not going to beat the best in the world. So they're wow. super, super important. That's another reason why I'm super excited to get into the like, the shoe game is because you know you're working with these sponsors with R and D, and you're creating these new kind of high tap, high top ankle support. Well, we're also going to create brand new like soul technology to make it even easier and better for players to get the perfect balance, which kind of ties in, Tom, to your thing about, you know, high scores today versus back in the day. Well, you know, back in the day, you didn't have the ability to change your soul. If it was slippery that night, you were slipping all over the place. You know, if you were sticking that night. That's it. You just have to deal with it where today you can just rip your soul off, put another one on that fits it and you're back to, you know, back to perfect wow. slide.
1: The, do all of the professionals so, travel at that level, like with 30 balls, 30 and, balls, you know, shoes, multiple pairs of shoes. Oh, wow. And like, is it, is, is like, does that separate the, 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 the amateurs from the pros? Just the, the, the amount of things that you come into the, into the space with?
3: It doesn't set, that's not what separates us. That's a luxury that we, mm. we have been given due to a lifetime of perfecting our craft, right? Mm. And when you get to that level and again, in, in golf or even in basketball, right? That, that 0.0%, if you can improve that 0.0 of a percent against your competitors, that is a huge advantage and newer equipment is a part of that. But when I grew up, like I, I live in this really small town here in Australia, it's it's it kind of in the middle of nowhere. You know, I grew up with with one bowling ball, and mm-hmm. if I wanted that bowling ball to hook more, I had to make it hook more. If I wanted it to be less curved down the lane, I had to throw it straighter, and I had to create all of these releases and 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 do it myself. But the one benefit of that is when you get to a professional level you can incorporate all of these skills that you've developed through your career and then you match that with like an unlimited resource in equipment, you become very difficult to beat. But Mm. that's not just me, right? That's that's everyone at that level on tour has that access and resource to the ability. So when I go to a bowling tournament, there's a huge semi-trailer that follows the PBA Tour and inside that is just bowling balls everywhere and wow. if i'm bowling a tournament and i tell my tour rep i say hey i think we need a bowling ball that that hooks you know one or two feet less <laughs> then we go to the truck we get it we would drill it and i have access to it so that's 20 or 30 bowling balls actually the truth is it's an unlimited amount i i can just Damn. keep going until <laughs> until i stop and <laughs> You don't get that luxury uh, as an amateur, but when you're in that space against other amateurs, everyone's on that same plane. But when you come to the PBA tour, you know, I shouldn't say every PBA player has access and resources to that because I think there is a hierarchy, you know, like does LeBron get treated the same in the Lakers locker room as like Kyle Kuzma does? Probably not, right? Mm -hmm. But... If you are Kyle Kuzma and you needed something, you could get it, but LeBron probably wouldn't even have to ask for it. And that's Mm, one of the real luxuries that I'm so fortunate to have. My tour reps spoil me. They really look after me. They are Mm. always making sure I've got all of my equipment ready to go. You know, they travel with me and they, they take a lot of that burden off my shoulders. Where the rookies coming in are still trying to earn their stripes, you know, they're still, you know, they're still drilling the balls themselves and, and needing favors wow. here or there. You know, and yeah. I, don't, I don't have to worry about that. I'm really lucky. What, what
0: is the PBA season? From, from what, what is the length of time? How many tournaments do you play in th- th- for, for one season? Like when does it start, When's it end?
3: So we kick off in January usually, okay. and then we finish anywhere between the end of May to the beginning of June. Okay. And then we have a summer tour. So another little mini tour we'll pick up again through the beginning of July through to August. And then we have a bit of a break from usually from September through to November, December. There are like these very sporadic made-for-TV spectacles. You know, sometimes mm. we do like the Chris Paul Invitational. Um, he does like a, a charity event with his CP3 Foundation. So we'll do these kind of like, yeah gimmicky, fun entertainment that aren't really PBA competitiveness events, but we'll do them throughout the year sporadically. And come January, we kick it all off again for the next season. Which sucks. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why it sucks. Because your winter and my winter are opposite. So I'm in my winter right now. Okay? So it's freezing cold and you guys enjoying summer. But when it's my summer, when I get to enjoy the beautiful sunshine, no, I get sent to Detroit in January, and I've got to go and bowl in Milwaukee in February, and I never get to see the bloody sun, and I'm getting tired of it. I I want to see the sun
2: occasionally. I I felt you guys' sun before. It's a different kind of sun.
3: It's... It's hot down the, the, here. Yeah, Detroit doesn't yeah. have the sun. We've got that. We've got that hole in the ozone layer. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, it's dangerous. You gotta, you
2: gotta, you gotta be careful. Almost, it, it almost burnt a hole in me one time. I was out there. in Detroit? Detroit
1: like doesn't damn. have Yeah, it. forty-five it doesn't, minutes doesn't in the Aussie sun. sun
3: in the middle of summer. You know, as sunburn, No matter up what sunburn. Skin complexion you have, it just mm-hmm. roasts you. It just. Mm-hmm. You. I have like an olive, olive-colored skin. And when I'm in the States, I don't really wear too much sun cream and, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't really wear a hat a whole lot, and I'm fine. But here, in 45 minutes, I look like a lobster. I'm just <laughs> and it's bad. It's uh, right. really, really bad.
0: So the entire mm-hmm. PBA is in the United States, though, most all the tournaments, or are they international? You about-
3: we have some partnerships with the PBA, the Japanese okay. League, and the Korean League, and... Um, and there have been a few in the Middle East, in Saudi Arabia, UAE, Kuwait, which have partnered with the PBA. But I wouldn't say they are on the tour. Okay. They are uh, they are bonuses that are outside the main tour. But you can go and travel to these events. Um, Thailand has had a few events. Australia had an event a few years ago. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't classify them on tour. They're just a part of the okay. tour.
1: Mm-hmm. What's the, uh, what's, what's the money? What are we talking about on the money side? For the, just for the, the tournament itself. Yeah, I understand sponsorships are probably like all, whatever they, they give you, right? But what's like the straight up money like on the tour?
3: So we have a scale, right? The smaller events all the way through to like our major championship events, right? So the most a player has won at a major championship is $250,000 for the win. And we'll play, we play five majors a year and roughly between 20 and 30 events on the regular tour. Then you have that summer tour that I was talking about, plus the, you know, kind of bonus events, the Chris Paul events, which, you know, players get appearance fees and things like that. So you're talking like fifty thousand for a regular event, two hundred and fifty thousand for a major championship. You know, you win a few times, you win a couple of majors. You're you're doing you're doing okay. The problem that we're seeing is we have like ten to fifteen guys that are doing really well, but the money list drops um, a little rough, a little steep. So if you're sitting fortieth in points you're making a living, but I wouldn't say that you're rolling in the dough, right? Mm. You're just you're just getting by, you're just you're doing it because you love the game and you're doing what you love and it's better than working nine mm. to five, but you know, you're not getting ahead in are not investing in properties and things like that. Mm. But the top fifteen guys are doing Really well, because then you add in, like you said, all of the endorsements and sponsorships, and if you're on television a lot, you know you get those hits, and you know you're talking, you know, considerable, considerable bank after that. But it's tough; it's not easy. But the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is we have new ownership at the PBA now. Um, You might have actually, you might have even gone to the their facilities. So the group is called the Bolaro Corporation. They are everywhere. There's like 400 Bolaro bowling centers in the U.S. Um, mm. And they bought the PBA. And, you know, mm. they're a company that make, I think the last time like they netted $700, 750000000 million in the year. So they've got some serious cash behind them. And now that they've purchased the PBA, they're injecting more into the PBA, just straight into the prize funds. They know and they are for the players, right? Like, they're not just buying the PBA Tour to try to bleed it for everything that it's worth and treat the players like crap. Like, they're seeing the players as an investment. They want me and every other player to earn money, serious money, because if... And it's one of the reasons why golf and tennis is so popular, right? Like, you look at... Roger Federer and Tiger Woods and all the money they make parents are like wow I my my kid has talent in this space there is some serious money to be made so I will invest in my child to to go my point of them not needing to do it is other than helping us make more money you know that's not what they're about taking from the pba creates that. they're not doing that they're actually Creating more avenues for us to earn more money. They're injecting money into the price funds, which is, you know, it's a, it's a godsend for us players because now we're talking about, you know, big six, six figure tournaments on the regular. Dude, that's awesome for us bowlers. And that wouldn't have happened without Bolaro's involvement in purchasing Mm. the PBA. And our relationship with Fox Sports has just gotten better because of, Bolaro's relationship with Fox. So there's so many really positive things. And to tie it all back into like how much money you can make as a bowler, you know, I am so reliant on the organization to do the right thing or to do a good job at securing sponsors. Like I can't, I can't force them to pay what they don't have. So if they're doing a really good job, then that's better for me. So the players are right behind the Bolero Corporation as well because they know if they do a good job, they're already showing us they're injecting money into it. This is good for us players. So it's a really exciting time for the players. I'm, I'm hoping to have a couple of really big seasons so I can build my sneaker collection up a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it inject injects. I mean, I've got money.
3: four kids. I could, I could, I could look after my four kids, or I could build my sneaker collection. You know, I don't know. I like, I like you, you just threw that no, in there, I like.
1: Just, I, also feed my children, but you know they can eat these, They can eat the old shoes. They yeah, can eat these bowling shoes. Yeah.
2: There's enough. Well,
3: <laughs> what, well, Jason man? Well, man well, right
2: Bellaro. sounds a lot like Berea, Like the Berea tacos I have waiting on me in there because today is Taco Tuesday.
1: Hey, it is Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Um, Jason
3: okay, Big. Not where I am, boys. Not not where I am. By the way, it is, it is <laughs> Wednesday. It is Thursday. Hours ago since, twa, ba, 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 since night, Taco Tuesday. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's the next day.
1: It's April seventeenth, nineteen fifty-eight in Australia. For people who want to know how to time, <laughs> change works when you go to that part of the world, um, and it's very
2: it's very hot in the middle of winter.
1: <laughs> Jason, <laughs> Jason
2: Big Blue Balls
1: Belmonte. Thank you, brother. For, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for uh, yeah. for coming on the show and dropping this uh, knowledge, man. It is it is uh really appreciate to have someone on your caliber come down here and, and and entertain us and engage us at the at the depth of your mastery. I learned so much, man. from Absolutely. from just this conversation It was amazing, mm-hmm. brother. One of the best one of the best guests we've, oh, boys, think honestly, we've had as far, man. Appreciate you.
3: Oh man, no worries. Again, not to to get all fangirly on you, but I'm just a huge fan. I'm really honored that. You would ever want to talk bowling, let alone have me on on your podcast. Uh, You've got a new fan. I'll be sure to introduce the show to all of my fans into the bowling industry, and you know, hopefully, you know, later down the road, if you're serious about uh, rolling a few strikes and getting some world patterns named after you, we can make all that happen. And keep in contact.
1: I'm definitely gonna be there. Sign me
2: up! Definitely,
1: my you can brother. Come to, a PBA, to have you.
3: We'll sit you like front row, right Ooh, down the front. I love you get the front best row. Best seats. You can watch a major championship. Oh yeah. Yeah. This I'll sign- make sure you and anyone else you want to bring some friends and family along. No, just just, time, just, just, you know, next- just
1: just 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 us. we don't we don't share <laughs> around here, man. <laughs> we, 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 we need the spotlight on us. Yeah, We're with the kids, man. All right, that. we can do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nah,
3: no, worries. man. We'll get we'll, you guys for sure.
1: For sure. Anytime we got a concert anywhere, man. The doors are open as well for sure. But thank you for that, man.
3: Oh, that'd be so dope. Uh so dope. Alright, I'm gonna hold you to that, all right. Don't be offering that <laughs> kind of do. stuff and then like and then like a couple of months later go like, Bill who is this, oh, this, man, is this we're crazy the- go, get on, rid man. of this guy. Oh, you man. can come to my open mic night anytime, anytime. <laughs>
0: You're listening to the Lupe and Roy Show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce the Five Nine, and Tom Frank.
2: The Lupe and Roy Show is a production of Say What Media. Have you thought about hosting your own podcast, but don't know where to start? Working with Say What Media is like having your own personal producer, editor, audio engineer, and distributor all in one place. From
1: equipment recommendations to engineering and distribution, Say What Media handles the boring details so you can focus on saying interesting stuff.
2: Get started at Say What You're
1: listening to the Lupe and Roy Show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce the Five Nine, and Tom Frank. Man, shout out to Jason Belmont. Is it Belmonte? I like Belmont. It's Belmonte. It's Belmonte. Ooh, yes. Ooh Belmonte. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Professional PBA bowler came in and dropped that science. Appreciate it. Make sure y'all check him out on the PBA tour. Give him a follow on his socials. Uh, for Blessed, Thank, thanks for coming out. That was great, man. I, I think I'm finna go start bowling. I'm finna bowl on my nigga.
0: Except when I go to the lanes, I'm going to ask him, now, what, what kind of pattern you got on there today? Because I just want to make sure I get I'm the super oil suspicious
1: oil. of you now, Tom, because you were the commissioner of the about? XBL, and you didn't know shit he was talking about. He came in here, and you didn't know nothing about bowling. I was like, I said, it just confirms you'd be on that. The oil I pattern, an Tom, the oil pattern.
0: <laughs> I I, did, I didn't know that there was different types that were called different <laughs> things that made your ball do different things.
1: <laughs> I told you! I'm I told you. I didn't you didn't believe? You. I know. You I don't didn't
0: believe me. I feel really. good. I'm vindicated. That was good. That was good. Make sure y'all. Uh, when are we bowling? When are we bowling? That's we what going
1: to the PBA, man. We finna get I'm holding
2: them to that. I swear to God, I want a Lupe oil pattern. The Lupe. I Ooh.
0: need him.
2: I need, I need a, Royce. I need a all I need an oil pattern on All Madden. That's what I need. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. Ooh. So I can be good.
1: I'm definitely getting that. I want my own pet I don't want some shoes. I, I'm not, I got a list. I got a little list I'm going to put together. Um, Taco Tuesday. And,
0: and, and,
1: and Taco on that Tuesday, note. I
0: do apologize for my audio. My audio was all over the place. It was trash. It's all good. It's Thank all good. It's all good. Thanks for sticking with
1: me. Um, Make sure y'all. You're still family. Hit him with the number, Tom. Hit him with that number.
0: Well, the number is uh 707. Bro man. One.
1: Man, if you don't give him the real. I said the number, not the name.
0: Oh, Oh, you want the real number? It's 707-276-6261. Thank
1: you. Leave, a, leave us a voice message. Let's know what y'all think about the show. Uh, follow us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Lupe and Royce. Uh, and on that note, this is Lupe Fiasco,
2: and uh, it's always better in black. This is Royce the 5'9", and um, damn, I don't even know if I can top that with Lupe just said. I'm wearing a <laughs> turban. Okay.
0: <laughs> You're wearing a turban. This is Tom Frank. I'm wearing my official show gear. (laughs) There it is. Pace, pace, pace. Thank you for listening. We'll see you later.
3: Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system.
0: Lupe and Roy,
2: what's up? Love the show. Love you guys individually as artists. Been a fan a long, long time. I love how your evolution continues to grow lyrically. Fucking amazes me sometimes. But uh, I think the real issue is Tom's got to go. I'm coming for you, Tom. I want your job, Tom. I'll do anything to be working your job. You have the best job ever created. Do better. No, I'm just kidding. You do really well. As much as I don't want to like you, I like you. Uh, wish you guys continued success, and I'll keep listening. What's going on, Luke? What's going on, Royce and Tom? Um, I just want to say thank you for doing what you guys are doing. I think it's great. You know, shout out to you guys. I think whatever you guys are doing is wonderful for the culture in itself. This is Ryan from Toronto. I just want to say thanks and uh, keep up the great
0: work, guys. Thanks.
1: Peace to the good brothers, Royce, Lupe, and Tom. That was a dope episode. Shout out to Hill Harper. I need one of y'all to put some financial literacy in your bars. I need a bar that says, Sacking Sacks with Hill Harper, gonna rebuild Black Wall Street. I need one of y'all to put that in a bar. One of y'all lyrical wolves. I
0: love what y'all are doing. Peace. That's our show for the week. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe or follow. Leave us a review and tell your friends to listen. The Lupe and Royce Show is a production of Say What Media. It's recorded and mixed by Claude Jennings. Our head writer is Lauren Sloat. I'm Tom Frank. And our theme music is by who else? Lupe Fiasco and Royce the 5'9".